0: Last week, I talked about one of my points was our gospel community and how we need one another to consider one another to stir up love and good works. All the more as we see the day approaching. So as we get closer and closer to Jesus's return, when he comes back to judge the living and the dead, times are going to be perilous and difficult and challenging. And all the more we need to meet together and don't get in the habit of not meeting regularly with the saints together in corporate worship. Uh, so th- so community is a big focus today. We want to encourage everybody to be a part of that, to be connected. And last week I pointed out how our connection in community, our encouragement that we receive through community uh, is actually a means to help us obey that, that second command that we looked at in Hebrews 10 to let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. And then let us consider one another. They're connected together. We need one another. We need to, as Hebrews 3.12 says, uh, 3.13, exhort one another daily while it's called today lest we be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need that. We need to be connected. Amen? And so I uh, just want to encourage everybody to pray about your part um, in community groups All right I'm going to pray And we're going to dig into Ephesians chapter 5 uh, 18 through 21 And talk about a spirit-filled community Marks of a spirit-filled community Heavenly Father I thank you for uh, The beauty Of uh, Your beauty And then the beauty That you have on display Through the church That You put yourself inside of us, your holy Spirit to dwell in us to lead us to guide us. And Lord, I pray that you would show up right now that you would speak to your people right now and that you would speak through me, that you would use me to proclaim and, and uh, teach your word well, help me to handle it well, I ask for your anointing, ask for your power. And I pray that you would move us onto your agenda. And I pray that we would be a spirit-filled community here at City Church. And that in our home groups, in our small groups, there would be activity of the Holy Spirit happening. That we would welcome your presence and your activity, your reign in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And if you all would stand with me with the reading of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Um, and we also have it up on the, the screen there. Ephesians five eighteen, Go ahead and read with me. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. As we were reading that, I was just reminded that I didn't print up my notes and just put them here with me and I didn't bring my Bible here with me. Um, so that's OK. We're going to roll with it. Um so Ephesians chapter five, there's two commands here in verse 18. Um, and the first one is don't get drunk. Don't get drunk with wine. And for those of if there's anybody here who loves alcohol, uh, don't don't try to say, hey, well, he says wine here. He didn't say beer <laughs> All right. Uh, or, or whatever. You know, it's, it's amazing. Just some of the justification we can do with our pet sins. Um, and so I'm going to start first with just this, this command. That's a, it's a negative. It's in the negative, you know, don't, don't do this. Uh, he doesn't say, and he doesn't say don't drink wine. I mean, obviously that was a part of the culture. Jesus turned water into wine, right? Okay. But we don't want to just use that to justify getting drunk and living a lifestyle of debauchery uh, because it's destructive. It's harmful, Um, and instead we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at these two commands and just kind of what does that look like? I know within this community, we come across many folks who struggle with alcohol addiction. Um, I, I came from a home where my father was an alcoholic and, and the enemy used alcohol to destroy our family. Uh, and then I started following in my father's footsteps and began to drink daily and uh, get drunk and do bad things uh, under the influence of alcohol and other substances. Um, but then when I became a Christian, I found something so much better than getting drunk. I found this relationship with God that brings me joy and peace and satisfaction. And then I, I don't wake up the next day with a hangover, <laughs> regretting that I did what I did and uh, feeling terrible. Um, so, just I think this this is very important for us to hear this that that we should not get drunk with wine. Now I know most of us here probably that's not an issue. Okay, we're we're, we're not a church full of drunkards, thank God. Uh, but we have folks who struggle with this. This is a a stronghold on their lives that Christ wants to break the power of, so that you can experience abundant abundant life. Amen. Um, so here's just a a couple contrasts here between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're drunk with wine, you're out of control. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's you have self-control. That's a fruit. That's a part of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, When you're drunk with wine, you're you're unsafe. When you're filled with the spirit, you're stable emotionally and mentally uh, when you're drunk, you're absent-minded. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're attentive and sensitive. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're you're harmful. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're helpful. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're inconsiderate. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're considerate. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're foolish. You do foolish things and say foolish things. When you're filled with the Spirit, you do wise things. When you're drunk with alcohol, you do selfish things. When you're filled with the Spirit, you do loving things. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're irresponsible. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're responsible. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're wasteful. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're purposeful. When you're drunk with alcohol, you're aimless. And when you're filled with the Spirit, you have direction. He's guiding you. Okay? And we have something so much better than what alcohol has to offer. Amen? We have the presence of God living inside of us. I mean, who doesn't want to be around a person who's filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Who doesn't want to be a person that has those fruits in their life? Like, you're filled with that. Who doesn't want their spouse to have all those things? Right? We want our spouses to have that fruit, right? So we can experience the pleasant fruit of joy and peace and kindness from our spouse. And they want that from us. What parent uh, doesn't want to give that to their children? You see, when we walk in this Holy Spirit, and we're filled with the Spirit of God, and He's influencing our lives, then there's good fruit that comes forth, and people get blessed. Instead of getting hurt and harmed, they get blessed, and they experience God through our lives. That's an amazing thing, that the, that the life of Christ can be manifested through These beings so that people can experience God and taste and see that God is good through the goodness, the fruit of goodness coming forth from our lives and our lips. So here's some some stats here taken from um, mad.com. If you don't know what mad.com is or mad is, it is mothers against drunk drivers. There's a lot of there's many mothers who have experienced the pain of losing a child to uh, somebody driving under the influence. I my mom uh, was was one of those. Um, when I was uh, 13 years old, there was um, a 17 uh, a year old young man who was under the influence not of alcohol, but of LSD. And he was racing down the road and he hit my 10 year old brother and killed him. Um, and so that just tore my mom apart. And I watched My mom get hardened and bitter towards God, towards the system she wanted to sue, sue the city. She wanted to sue this guy and his dad and and so on. And, And thankfully, my mom and I came to Jesus and God healed all that brokenness and removed that bitterness. And we brought that offense and pain and brokenness to the cross. And we've learned to allow the Holy Spirit to influence our lives. But here's some here's some stats here from from uh, that are put together. There's many more on this uh, website. In 2013, 28.7 million people admitted to driving under the influence of alcohol. That's more than the Texas than the population of Texas. Uh, Drunk driving cost the United States one hundred and thirty two billion a year. In 2014, 9,967 people died in drunk driving crashes, one every 53 minutes, and 290,000 were injured in drunk driving crashes. Over 1.1 million drivers were arrested in 2014 for driving under the influence of alcohol or narcotics. On an average, two in three people will be involved in a drunk driving crash in their lifetime. So... I think we can all agree that the command in the Bible to don't be drunk with wine is good, right? I think we can all agree with that here. That's a good thing. Uh, and we see what happens when, when people don't follow God's ways and the wisdom that He gives us through His Word. Uh, and we have a great solution, a great contrast of something that counteracts and something that's better than being drunk with wine or anything else this world has to offer. We can be filled with the Spirit of God, God Himself. Christianity is awesome. One of the reasons is because God has come to earth to save us. And Jesus, the Son of God, died for us in our place, but then He gives us His Spirit to live inside of us and through us. And so we don't need to live our lives under the influence of alcohol or anything else this world has to offer we need to live our lives under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the phrases when uh, that we refer to somebody as somebody who's drunk or driving drunk. They were driving under the influence, right? Well, we need to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let the power of the Holy Spirit influence our thinking, our speaking, our actions, and they will be good. So what does that look like? What does it look like for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, first of all, I, I want to point out that this is, this is a passive. So one, this is an imperative. This is a command. Okay? And it's in the passive uh, uh, tone. And, it's, and, it's, and it's, in, it's in the present tense. Okay? So what that means is, is that in, in one sense, we can't make that happen. Okay, we're commanded to do it. We're obligated to let the Holy Spirit fill our lives. But yet in one sense, we don't control God. We just like we don't control the wind. Okay, so what does it look like to be filled with the spirit? One analogy that I that I have here is it's like setting the sails up, putting your sails up and positioning yourself so that the wind of the spirit can blow in your life. We don't control the wind. But we can position ourselves in a way where, where God fills our lives. We let him fill our lives so that we go in his direction, so that we live our life under his influence. Um, this is a verse that I will point my charismatic friends and my non-charismatic friends to. And this is why. Why? Because some would say in non-charismatic circles, or most in the non-charismatic circles, that baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at conversion. Okay? That's it. Okay? And then many charismatics, not all of them, uh, many of them would say baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. Okay? So that's an event that happens after you're saved. Whatever camp you're in, if you're, if you're good old Baptist or a non-charismatic cessationist, or you're a Pentecostal, charismatic, speaking in tongues, Holy Ghost filled person, either way, whatever you believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when it happens and what that looks like, either way, it's very clear in Ephesians chapter 5 that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is interesting because the Apostle Paul in Ephesians has already said that the Ephesians are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1:13. They have Every Christian has the indwelling of the Spirit of God inside of them. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God in you. Amen. Romans 8. Ephesians 1. But yet Paul's saying we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so... To my charismatic friends who would say baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. If you had a, if you had a baptism in the Holy Spirit subsequent to salvation, praise God. But let me tell you, there's more. There's this ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit that needs to happen for my Baptist friends, my cessationist friends, and my Pentecostal charismatic friends, tongue speaking friends. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live our lives under the power and the influence of the holy spirit amen so this is this is a verse for all of us be filled with the holy spirit this is a command and this is it's in the present tense it's not like it happened once okay uh we continue we need to continue to let the spirit of god blow like wind in our sails we need to put our sails up so you might ask pastor keith how do you do that how I don't have sails, I have arms. What how do I put my sails up? Well, there's two ways that I would point out, and, and the first one is simply this, we need to ask God in prayer for this. Luke 11:13 says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We need to ask God. We need to be people of prayer. People of prayer and people who are filled with the Spirit go hand in hand. They go together. Actually, in in Acts, when we see the Holy Spirit poured out and the move of God, and and one common thing throughout Acts is the early church was a praying church. And they were a Spirit-filled church. They were a bold, gospel-proclaiming church. A loving church, a worshipful church. And so we need to ask God in prayer to fill us. And then we need, we need to set our minds on the things of the spirit. Romans eight makes this connection with those who live according to the spirit. They, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. Romans eight, five and six. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, they set their mind on the things of the spirit for to the For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on on the Spirit is life and peace. So there's a connection between walking in the direction and the leading of the Spirit, or even the filling of the Spirit, and setting our mind on the things above. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. He leads us into truth, Jesus says. He teaches us truth. About God. He reminds us of what Jesus says and He leads us to magnify the name of Jesus. He reminds us who we are. He affirms us as children of God. He bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children. He empowers us to be bold witnesses. He helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. Amen. Romans 8, 26, 27. And the list goes on and on. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He's a part of the Godhead. And here at City Church, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Forgot the next part. (laughs) We believe in God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All my Catholic friends do one of these. Um Hallelujah. So we need to ask for it. We need to set our mind on things above. Since I've been a Christian, this has been my habit every morning to get in the Bible, to turn some worship music on or play or sing worship, meditate on the word of God, read the word of God, listen to the voice of God. God, what are you saying to me? What what do you want from me today? What's your most pressing issue with me? And I have not regretted any of that time that I've spent with Jesus as a Christian. It's worth it. He's worth it. And when we do that, when we get with God daily, we we set our sails up so that He can fill us and point us in His direction and lead us in him, His direction. I encourage you to do that first thing in the morning. Um, not everybody's a morning person, but... You know, acknowledge Him in the morning. Give Him the first part of your day. Okay, so what does that look like? What does a Spirit-filled community look like? Because there's, there's other verses connected to this. There's this domino effect here. Here's what it looks like here. Okay, when we're, when we're a Spirit-filled community, we're an encouraging community. Notice verse 19, uh, after it says, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs okay that's something that happens in corporate worship and when we do that it's encouraging it's encouraging to hear your brother or sister in the lord their voice singing addressing you how great is our god sing with me how great is our god and I love it as a worship leader to make eye contact and I'm I'm thinking I'm addressing the congregation in many of the songs that I'm singing. And many times I see eye contact. back, I see other a, a smile and I see delight and joy rising. I see faith being strengthened, hope being imparted into the saints as we address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now what are Psalms? Hymns and spiritual songs. Now some theologians would say these are all synonymous. Um I, I don't. I think they're they're a little bit different. Uh I I mean we have a book in the Bible called the Book of Psalms. We started the service with Psalm ninety eight and we sang that psalm. Okay, we we, we did this first today in our corporate worship already. Okay. We sang a Psalm. We read a Psalm. So we addressed it by reading and we addressed it by singing. Okay. Sing to the Lord, sing a new song. Robert Reed wrote that, by the way, I, well, actually da- King David wrote it. And Robert Reed took it and just kind of put some melody to it. Who knows what exactly the melody was when, when it was first written, uh, So sing psalms. Psalms are so encouraging. As I've said before, I'm a psalm junkie. I can just read the psalms every day and just feast on them. They encourage me in my relationship with God. They encourage me in prayer. They, they encourage me about reminding me of who God is and what He has said. They, they encourage me in difficult times. They encourage me in joyful times. They encourage me in times when I've sinned and I've failed and I've fallen short and I need to pray. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Or Psalm 32 and confession and repentance uh, and so on. So Psalms are so encouraging. They meet us where we're at. And so we're to use the psalms to address one another with. That's what a spirit-filled community looks like. There's this addressing one another with psalms, hymns. What are hymns? Now, we don't have hymnals in our in front of us there, but uh, I think most of us know what hymns are, right? Uh, can we sing one? Um, Come thou fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some of his song And sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain, fix the fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. We call that a hymn, right? Amen. Now, what about these spiritual songs? What about these spiritual songs here? Um, I think that these spiritual songs, if you have one of the NIV translations actually say songs of the spirit or songs from the spirit, um, I think these spiritual songs are imprompt spontaneous songs that we sing when we're gathered together. We can even do it by ourselves, but when we're gathered together, and, and we, we we did some of that this morning. We there was a we we stayed on the progression on an A minor F C. For those of you who are mus- musicians, just ignore that, uh, and we just sang a few uh, cor- or, uh, phrases about Jesus who lives, who who's conquered the grave and. And so my understanding of a spiritual, that's that's a spiritual song. Um, and we used to leave a lot more room for those uh, back in the early days of City Church. We don't as much, and that's, I, I'm the worship leader, so I'm to blame. Uh, I can't point the finger at anybody. <laughs> but I think that's what spiritual songs are. I encourage you to dig into that a little bit. Um, I didn't get to spend as much time... Digging into that as much as I wanted to, uh, to prepare for this. But bottom line, here's the point. Big point here. A spirit-filled community is an encouraging community. In corporate worship, we address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Whatever you think those psalms or hymns hymns or spiritual songs are, dig into it. Either way, you're addressing the saints in corporate worship. Okay? The second thing is, a spirit-filled community is a worshipful community. Uh, Verse 19b singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So this is this is important because we don't want to just address one another when we come together in corporate worship. Okay, we're not performing. uh, We're not trying to impress one another. We corporate worship should be for edification, the building up. So we should address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But then also we should be focused on meeting with God, singing to God, praying to God, turning our hearts, attention, affections to God and allowing our hearts to be stirred and our affections to be stirred for him, our love for him, our relationship with him. This is primary. This is huge. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. And so we want to direct our worship to God. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we do that. A Spirit-filled community does that. We're singing to God. We treasure God. We love God because He first loved us. And we now have, by the Spirit of God, we have the, the love of God poured out into our hearts. Romans five five, By the Spirit of God. And so we sing to God. We make melody to God with our hearts. Amen? Very simple. The third mark of a spirit filled community is gratitude, thankfulness. Uh verse twenty says, Giving thanks always, <laughs> always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the opposite of murmurers and complainers and ungrateful people. Um being a father of three children, um I I really value And I really dislike complaining and murmuring and bad attitudes. And, and that will merit discipline in the dollar house, um, loving discipline. Um, and, and God, he wants us to be a grateful people when we're, when we're murmurs and complainers, (laughs) we're not living under the influence of the Holy spirit. We're forgetting how blessed we are. We're not counting our blessings. We're not being reminded of how God sees things. And we're we're listening to the enemy. We're listening to our flesh. We're listening to the world when we don't give thanks to God. But when we're under the influence of the Spirit of God, we're letting Him fill our lives. Gratitude just springs up for even the simplest things in life, like flowers beauty of flowers. My wife, somebody gave my wife some flowers last night. It wasn't a guy. Um, uh, One of her friends stopped by who was doing a wedding and she had these beautiful hydrangeas that had this like purple tie dye color. And my wife was like, just, oh, I've never seen any flowers like this before. And just kind of giving glory to God in a sense for the beauty of those flowers. And that's how we should be about all the blessings and and all the grace that God showers upon our lives, we should be a grateful people acknowledging that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, who doesn't change. Okay, so to do this right here, we need some help. Uh, And I got to admit, last week, I failed to do this. I had a great opportunity to do this. I was driving my car on my way to help out my... Brother Paul, um, and Rachel, who got a new house, and, uh, Paul's been working hard to fix that up, and I was on my way to, to go help him out, and I get rear ended in, in my, my car right here off of Ross and Hope Street. Um, and so the traffic slows down, I slow down, I get rear ended, and I dropped one of those, um, uh, well, I, my response wasn't thank you, Jesus. It was more like a, It was more like a Christian cuss word, uh, and I won't repeat it because there are children in here. Uh, It wasn't a bad word, but you know, it was just shoot. But uh, excuse me. Uh, But I didn't give thanks immediately. I mean, of course, I did later. My wife did a great job. She was like, "Thank you, Lord, we're getting a new car." No, she was like, "Thank you, Lord, that you are okay, Keith." She was grateful that nothing happened to me. Uh, they totaled the car. You know, it doesn't take much to total a hoopty when when it gets wrecked and it's not your fault. Uh, so it it turned out to be a blessing because they gave us a lot more than I thought the car was worth. And we're able, you know, we were able to get another car. And um, there's just so many reasons to give God thanks for everything, because God's doing a thousand things that we don't even see. He's working all things together for our good. And we can trust that. As a matter of fact, there's two things. I think if we're going to thank God for everything always, we need to believe in the sovereignty of God and we need to believe in the goodness of God. We need to believe that God is in charge and that everything that comes our way as a child of God, everything in life is Father filtered by a loving, gracious, sovereign Father who is watching out for us. Who is for us he's not only sovereign but he's good he's good his intentions towards us are good he's not trying to hurt us he's not against us he's for us and if you and i are going to respond with gratitude in the most difficult of circumstances we must be grounded in the reality that he's sovereign and that he's good this is fuel as, as a worship leader, as a Christian. This is fuel for my worship. These are two things that I'm over and over, I'm reminded about. In the Psalms, by the way, it's a both major themes in the Psalms, the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice in the goodness of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. How great is your goodness stored up for those who fear you? And on and on, the list goes on. God is good. And when we acknowledge His goodness, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to be a grateful people who acknowledge His goodness and His sovereignty. Amen. So the last thing here is that a spirit-filled community is submitted to one another. Notice verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now verse 22 goes into wives. Be subject to your husbands. Submit, right? This, verse 21's not just for wives, alright? This is for males and females. Husbands and wives. For children. The community of saints. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not just wives that are told to submit in the Bible. And I know some consider the submit word, the S word, a bad word. Uh, and it's not. It's a good thing. As a matter of fact, I, 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 if I could just illustrate this here, um, you know, it's kind of like submission is kind of like putting, um, say, this this bucket's going to submit to this um, uh, bottle of water. Okay, so submission is just I'm not going to pour it in here because I might ruin it. But submission is just getting in line under underneath to receive. Um, and, And this is how we should posture ourselves in the body of Christ. We should have that towards God, put ourselves up, be submitted towards God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. And then we should have this posture of submission to one another, because each of us as the children of God, the saints We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we have experience. We have insights that God has taught us through our experience, through our pain. We've gained wisdom walking with God. And and we have spiritual gifts that we can contribute to the body of Christ for the edification of the body of Christ. And so when we submit to one another, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, leads us to have that posture Of submission, right? Um, And we should have that. We should uh, expect that God is going to work through our brothers and sisters around us. We should make room for that. So when a brother or sister has a word of encouragement or correction, word of affirmation or correction, we should be open to receive that. um, what, What they have for us. And specifically, we ought to do that. Out of reverence for Christ, because we fear God. We have reverence for Jesus and, and this biblical command to submit to one another. This should happen in community groups. Okay? Submission to one another, thanking God together, singing together, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This should happen in corporate worship. When we gather together, we should be a people who's filled with the Spirit And we're walking out these characteristics. Amen. So I'm going to stop there and I'm going to ask Robert to come up and lead us in a song. And we're going to pray. And we're going to put the sails up. We're going to position ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God and allow him to empower our lives. And if you want prayer for anything specific, you're welcome to come up. You can raise your hand. Just put your hand up. There are people around you who love Jesus, who can and will pray for you and may give a word of encouragement to you. Um, but if you're going through a hard time, especially, and you need encouragement, you need prayer, please let us know. Put your hand up. But We're going to focus on the Lord. We're going to put ourselves up. We're going to submit to the Lord and invite his presence here father you are so good and i thank you that you haven't left us to our own resources or our own willpower to try to live out this christian life by ourselves that you have given us yourself you're with us You'll never leave us nor forsake us and your grace is sufficient for us, Jesus. And oh, how we need you. Oh, how we need your power in this day, and this hour. We need you to come and bring revival. Renewal to this city, to this nation. We pray your kingdom come. Your will be done. Even now.